With the OpenSSF scorecard, really wants to help you do is actually build trust really quickly, really by measuring how different projects are adhering to certain best practices. Hi, welcome to the Open at Intel podcast. I'm Katherine Druckmann, an open source evangelist here at Intel. This time we'll cover OpenSSF scorecard with one of its contributors, Brian Russell of Google. And Ryan Ware of Intel joins us with his insights as well. Scorecard is a relatively new project, and I hope you'll enjoy learning more. And as always, please join us again for more important open source conversations. I'm talking to Ryan Ware again, who you may recognize from a previous episode. Ryan is Director of Open Source Security at Intel. And I am also joined by Brian Russell, who's a product manager on Google's open source security team. And I'm really excited to talk to Brian for a lot of reasons, which I will get to. Uh, but we are discussing an important project, I think, under the umbrella of the Open Source Security Foundation, which is itself part of the Linux Foundation. The project is OpenSSF Scorecard, which helps assess open source projects based on adherence to security best practices and assigns a score. Um, all of us, the three of us here, are involved in the OpenSSF in some way, so that's fun. And that might make us a tad biased, I suppose. But I think this work is incredibly promising, uh, even just in terms of improving the developer experience of evaluating projects, which is something we talked about in a previous episode, uh, actually episode nine of this podcast. Um, I should add that a part of this inspiration and the reason I'm so excited about it, about this conversation, was the excellent presentation that Brian gave at the Southern California Linux Expo, along with Naveen Srinivasan. And that is available on YouTube. Uh, if I can figure out how to link that in the description here, I will do that. Um, but I'll start with Brian first. What is OpenSSF Scorecard and why do we need it? So great question right off the bat. Uh, I think if you think about the why we need it, that's really important before we get into quite what it is. Uh, so, you know, the problem that we have in a lot of open source software is, is really centered around trust. How do you actually trust the software that you're using? How do you know it's secure? What do you really know about kind of the governance and the maintainers who are, who are making this project? That's something that you know, ideally you could you could go out and you could meet everyone who makes open source projects that you're using uh, but you know realistically that that's just not something you can do when you're using hundreds to thousands to tens of thousands of different open source projects so if you kind of keep that in mind that you're really trying to build up knowledge and understanding of, of where your software is coming from this is really what spawned uh, the OpenSSF scorecard uh, into being a project. So what the OpenSSF scorecard really wants to help you do is actually build trust really quickly, uh, really by doing what, what you talked about, Catherine, which is, is measuring how different projects are adhering to certain best practices. Uh, so we're, we're not doing any sort of mysterious scoring or, or something that, that's, um, that's not really well-defined. Instead, we're just looking for generally accepted best practices in open source software. So things like, you know, 
are there actually people who are reviewing code if there's multiple people contributing to the project? So does it require code review? You know, does this project actually have active maintainers? I think this is something, Ryan, you talked about uh, in a previous episode, which is, is anybody still actually looking at it? And, and OpenSSF scorecard, you know, looks at, you know, for the past three months, what kind of activity has been going on there, are issues actually getting resolved? Uh, are contributions actually being made? And so all of those things, and there's, there's around 15 or so that we look for uh, in the scorecard today, uh, we consolidate that information and we make it available so that if you're looking at a scorecard, you can get a sense pretty quickly of, of what a project is doing, what kinds of best practices uh, they're really adhering to. So kind of a long-winded way of, of explaining, you know, where where scorecard comes from and, and really uh, what it aims to solve. But I, I hope that kind of covers some of it. Yeah, I always yeah. love it when when some team comes uh, and brings a open source project that they get from SourceForge that's been there and hasn't been updated since since 2010. <laughs> SourceForge, I haven't even thought about SourceForge. <laughs> How funny. Um, yeah, so so I'm curious. So. So I think, you know, we heard a little bit of, of Ryan's story and we'll hear more, but Brian, how did you get involved in the project? Well, it's, it's a good question too. Uh, and, and I don't think I, I got here without meandering a little bit. Uh, so none of us ever of get the, anywhere <laughs> without meandering, you know, it's, it's just how a lot of things in life seem to go. Uh, so in my case, you know, I've, I've worked, um, in different roles in, in software, but right before I really got involved in OpenSSF, uh, I was working in Google Cloud and, and I was the product manager uh, for some vulnerability management systems that, that are part of cloud. And during that work, I started working with, with folks who were actually getting the OpenSSF started uh, from the Google side. And so this was around three, three and a half years ago. Uh, and I really thought a lot of the problems that they were tackling were really, really important, you know, from a whole variety of, of different cases. You know, everyone from the open source maintainers themselves to the people who were consuming open source. Uh, and I, I started really kind of gravitating towards these sorts of problems. Uh, and then around that time, Google was um, actually hiring more people to go into their open source security team uh, and the people on that team specifically work with the OpenSSF uh, on projects like scorecards and SigStore and a handful of others. Uh, so, so in my case, you know, I was really drawn in by one, the importance of the problem, uh, but two, the community of people who were, were really aiming to, to solve a lot of these, these kinds of issues with trusting and securing open source software. It's, it's a really, I would say enthusiastic, passionate community of, of people who, mm. you know, they're, they're, they're also not just doing this from, you know, kind of a, a pure compliance perspective. They, they genuinely care about, you know, doing what's best for the open source community as a whole. And I, I thought that is just, um, I mean, I, I think that's really great as someone who just personally loves open source quite a bit. Uh, I thought, you know, there's clearly a, a lot of different problems to, to be solving in security, but if you're going to solve them, coming at it with with keeping open source in a really healthy state in mind to me is is really important. I, I agree. Yeah, I mean that's definitely what draws me to 
the OpenSSF and open source security work as a developer, software engineer in a previous life. <laughs> I, I never, you know, I, I always considered myself an aspiring security expert. It's always something I've been drawn to. Uh, but this particular topic is interesting because, you know, it, I, I feel like I've been answering the question of, so, so how do you evaluate potential dependencies? How do you, you know, going back to my early days of Drupal development, how, how do you evaluate Drupal modules to bring into your project? Well, and <laughs> trying to, you know, I, I feel like I've spent 15 years trying to answer that question effectively. Um, women's intuition, I don't know. Uh, it, it's a complicated, it can be a complicated answer, but it, but there are, you know, simple elements that I think you can distill. And I think that's what's interesting is the, the kind of codifying of those elements. And, you know, going back to our, our conversation in the previous episode, this is kind of a, a question for both of you. You know, obviously, what are the security concerns that can be addressed? You kind of hinted at it a little bit about like, what does it solve? But I think going deeper a little bit, could you could we talk about some very specific types of problems that can be mitigated by using scorecards? You know, I would say that scorecards is, is a little bit unique in that, um, you know, it's not necessarily trying to, to solve a problem like, say, sanitizing forms on a website where you know you're you're directly okay. trying to close something that is is clearly dangerous i think instead uh most of what scorecard centers around is actually looking for best practices that would prevent uh actually bad things from from going into a project so checking for the evidence of of good things is a lot of what what scorecard is about are you are you actually going out and addressing vulnerabilities when they apply to your project. Um, have you published a security policy? Uh, at the end of the day, you know, we want secure projects, um, but we also know that there's a lot of unknowns that could come up in any sort of open source attack scenario. And so for scorecards, we're really looking at, is this project you know, really being managed by a group that cares about security that that is clearly doing a lot of things to make sure that this project is being managed well. And so I, I think if you look at any scenario where a second set of eyes caught an issue in a code review uh, or someone quickly patched something when it was insecure, there's a whole host of, of those different scenarios that you know, could be caught if best practices that Scorecard is checking for as being employed. Um, so you're, you know, you're not gonna be able to make the statement at least anytime soon of, of scorecard, you know, definitively stopped attack X from from happening. Instead, it's it's really looking for how is how is this project being managed on a whole. Our our hope and, and goal is to really make that translate towards actually more secure projects in the long term. That's a that's a great answer, Brian. And, and just to amplify on that a little bit. So many different security bugs out there. Are, are they're just bugs that somebody happens to be able to do something with? And you know, one of the ways to make a software project more secure is is to just do all of the things that help you eliminate bugs. And that's that's a lot of what Scorecard looks at are are things that are best practices for removing bugs. And uh, uh, that's one of the things that that. I, I find very interesting about scorecard and 
it's you know something that we looked at doing internally uh uh trying to come up with a system to to help make sure teams are doing the right things and i'm really really happy to see that there's an open source solution that we can help participate with and uh help uh, expand its use uh in, in scorecard so I'm hoping we can kind of pop the hood a little bit on Scorecard and uncover how it really works. So it, conceptually, it's a checklist of best practices, but, mm-hmm. but how do we do that? Yeah, so I, I think a checklist is only as good as the information coming into it. Uh, in Scorecard's case, we are really trying to make sure that every check that we add is something that you can check for programmatically. None of the checks that are done by Scorecard are you know, anyone going in and kind of self-certifying that they took place. Nobody's coming in and and saying, yeah, we do X, uh, where that answer may or may not be true. So Scorecard's approach is a little bit different in that, you know, by taking programmatic approach, uh, it should always match at least the the state that the system is self-reporting. So Getting into actually how we do that, I mean, it comes down to if your project is on GitHub, we call the GitHub API, and we're actually looking for different settings on the project. We're looking for the existence of different files. It depends on what the check actually is. But like, if we are looking at the check that's looking at code reviews, you know, you can actually see if a project requires a review to happen before changes get merged. And so we can can use GitHub's API to actually check that. Uh, or if we want someone to have a security policy published, we actually you know, check for a security.md file to see if it's there. And so behind each check is is a combination of things, but it's really uh, a set of API calls uh, really centered around GitHub at this point. Uh, the project is ideally wanting to expand out to, to everywhere that, that code lives. We do have GitLab support uh, waiting in the wings, there's some folks actively working on that integration for the project. There's also just some things that that you can check uh, if you're just using a Git-based system. There's certain things that, that you don't necessarily have to rely on a GitHub API or a GitLab API to check. But to put it in very concrete terms, Scorecard is a program that runs, uh, and it's actually checking for settings and checking for files within a Git-based repo right now. Uh, and basically that, that tool acting as a program can be run in a few different ways. So you could run it locally on a command line. We packaged it up into a GitHub action that you can run if you add it to your project. We also, as maintainers of the project, actually just look at, at some of the top critical open source projects. We scan, I think it's about a million and a half projects a week at this point, where we are just taking a look at projects that have this information publicly available. You know, there's there's not some magic API call that's happening so much as we're just centralizing information that's there into a scorecard score. And so we're actually scanning to get all of these different projects together in one data source that you can then consume through an API or, or calling the actual database where it's stored as a big query table. And the, the real takeaway here is that it's it's a tool at the end of the day that, that runs like a command line tool, but it's wrapped up in a few different forms and the data that it generates is also publicly available. So if if you're also trying to think about, you know, what what are the limits of the tool? What can and can it do? Mm-hmm. You know, if you 
you can't check for something repeatedly in a programmatic way, right now that would fall outside the scope of, of scorecard sure. right now. Uh, but you know, if there's something that we as a project would agree on, you know, that would make a great additional check, and it's something we check for programmatically. Scorecard is not fixed by any means. We we could definitely keep expanding it out to additional best practices to be looking at. So you can use it, obviously, as you mentioned, locally to just scan a, a repo. Um, but is it fair to say it's it's just more robust if you're if you're talking about a, a GitHub hosted project? Yeah, basically, if if you look at how Git locally works versus a hosted project on GitHub, there's there's some additional functionality mm-hmm. that GitHub and, and GitLab and, and other different hosting services would provide. And so, if you just ran it purely locally, if you did a Git init, uh, you know, locally, and, and just always kept your project there, uh, there's limits for what we can check for. Uh, but once it's hosted and there's an API that that we can call. Uh, we can check for that additional functionality that those those hosting providers add. Definitely a richer data set to go pull from uh, if it's at GitHub or, or, or GitLab. Yeah, so it sounds so if GitLab is is um, in in the works but not yet out there, that that sounds like something to look forward to. But then, I mean, so much is hosted on GitHub. It's you know, as someone who's been around a while, watching the explosive growth of GitHub has been interesting. Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, if I put my pure product manager hat on and I, I look at what would you prioritize first, yeah, absolutely. we, we want to go where a lot of the code is. So, yeah. so that was where an MVP started. Absolutely. Yeah. Implement in GitHub Actions. Check. Excellent. <laughs> like, that is, yeah, that is uh, half the battle probably for a lot of people. So you mentioned a few of the checks. I wondered if there are some others that are worth mentioning, but Something that I'm wondering about in terms of, of the list itself is how are, how are each how is each section weighted in the final score? Yeah, so checks fall into roughly four different groups, critical, high, medium, and low. Uh, each of those individual checks are on a scoring system from one to 10. And then within each category, there's a certain weight that's associated with that for this, this aggregate score that we compute. And so... If you look at critical checks, uh, which are already based out of 10, effectively those carry the weight of a full 10. Uh, you're basically just average them in, where like each of the others basically decrease by two and a half points each way down. So high has the weight of like 7.5, medium five, low of 2.5. Uh, and so it, it basically allows us to say, Ideally, you have all of these checks, but some checks are more important than others when it comes to how significant they are in a project. And part of why we do that, too, is is both for consumers and maintainers. If you're a a consumer, you might want to be looking for a few things and and be a little bit more flexible on others because I I don't think I've seen a project with a perfect 10 yet. So you definitely have to kind of choose what's important to you. And then if you're on the maintainer side, it, it's really helpful if you do have a low score, knowing where you want to focus in the immediate to really bump that up. It kind of gives you a roadmap based on how critical each of these are. And, you know, in order to, to kind of keep everything agreeing with each other, that's that's why we have a weighted system to make sure that, that people are prioritizing things such that they're, they're rewarded in terms of a higher score. So, so you said something about, um, you know, it, obviously, 
individual developers needs are going to be possibly variable, right? Is there, can I customize my own checks? Can I customize the way that I use OpenSSF scorecard? So I'll give kind of a two-part answer. I would say because it's open source itself, there's there's obvious flexibility here where you know you could come in and basically say this is a good framework for how checks are being codified and you could add your own checks and effectively fork that project. We have seen a handful of of organizations take that approach where you know they do have something that that they want to be checking for. They also want to build off of what scorecard has. And that's, you know, that's an approach. The second part to this answer, though, is is flexibility is something that we're looking at as a project uh, on a whole. So today there's there's basically the official set of checks and any new checks would need to become a part of, of that official set. Uh, we're already starting to see some of the limits of that, you know, even within different communities. If you take a check like like binary dependencies, if you have binaries in your repo, Scorecard will deduct when it finds those binaries. Uh, but certain projects, you know, actually do require certain binaries to be added for for one reason or another. So we're we're looking at cases like that. And as a community, we've got a proposal that's starting to float around of what exactly a more flexible framework would look like, such that we retain this same core of best practices, but we allow people to, to build off of it or, or really you know, fit it for maybe more of their specific case. Uh, so you know, the super short answer is uh, right now it's pretty inflexible as a, as a project okay. itself. Uh, flexibility is, is something that I think a lot of us would, would like to see and, and we're working that out right now. An interesting conversation. I, uh, I could see I could see arguing maybe both ways, right? I mean, we all want we all want flexibility. We want you know, it's my project. I you know I'm okay with including binaries, right, or whatever it is. But at the same time, when you're talking about something where you might want to standardize on a best practice, maybe being a little bit inflexible in certain areas is a good thing. I don't know, right, Ryan? Where where do you thoughts? You, you had some thoughts. I I can see them uh, percolating. So I I, I think. Uh, um... Flexibility is good, but there needs to be a standardized way of using scorecard uh, across the ecosystem. So, so everybody is measuring apples against apples as opposed to here we've tweaked scorecard this way for our environment. So our scores are going to look different than yours. And, and there, there definitely needs to be a standardized way of, of making sure that scorecard is used equivalently across the industry. That said, one of the questions that I have, Brian, is you know there's some great checks that you guys are, are already doing, uh, the binary artifacts, uh, uh, whether or not you have branch protection in place, things like that. Are, are there checks that you're looking at doing uh, that aren't in there yet? I mean, are, are there additional checks on the roadmap that you're looking at, at possibly putting out there? So... Um... I'll say that for checks that, that aren't there today, uh, we have kind of a, a loose but, but general process of you know, bring it to our community calls that, that are open mm. and, and happen every couple of weeks uh, and, and also you know, start a GitHub issue that's based around that. Um, you know, I, I think in terms of, of checks to be added, I won't say there's... Uh, at least right now, a, a set of 
really hotly debated uh, checks that that were thinking whether or not they should go in conversations were kind of elsewhere around you know just long term what do those checks look like True. Uh, but I, I have heard you know uh, certainly different proposals uh, especially around you know when it comes to different like infrastructure as code frameworks and, and kind of hosted environments like should there be some checks uh, that, that really are, are looking for those that aren't necessarily going to be in every project but that they might be in and if they are what's what's important around that really really quick to circle back to a, another point around standardization uh, of the checks themselves I, I do want to say I think I think that standardization kind of being a measuring, stick across a lot of different projects consistently is, is going to continue to be very important. I, I think where, wherever flexibility ends up, it's, it's going to be, I think, key that there's always kind of the, the open SSF approved set of, of what we would recommend across the board. And maybe there's some, some variance of, of other sets that people choose to measure, especially in things like if you do have infrastructure in place, you know, what, what does that variant look like? But I, I do think us just being so flexible that you can always tweak your score to, to kind of fit uh, a high score is, is definitely not a world we want to enter. Right. Either. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to, to be very careful as we, as we balance that. Out. No, that's, that's too much like CVSS scoring for CVEs. <laughs> there's, there's, there's always that fine balance between uh, effective checks and um, your, uh, <laughs> your your CICD system harassing you constantly for this you know what i mean there's that there's that balance so balance there it's delicate um so speaking of sorry going back to well a couple things of developer experience github actions and CICD system how easy is it to incorporate into my existing CICD pipeline is it just a line here turn it on and it's that easy or is there something more to it I, I would say it, it definitely varies in terms of how deep you want the integration to go. Uh, there is an API that, that you can add into your CI/CD script or whatever system that you're, you're using uh, that you can be you know, pulling scorecard information. Uh, you can be running scorecards repeatedly with, with your CI/CD system if you're also maintaining the project. It's a pretty... Um, I would say it's a pretty light addition just to pull that data in. Choosing how you want to enforce it and build policies around it, uh, that is, is where a lot more thought you know, would need to go in. Uh, one, of, one of the ways that I've seen people take a first step towards incorporating scorecards into their, their CICD process is really just to raise a flag whenever a score is below a certain threshold. Right. Scorecard at that point starts to be kind of a conversation starter where, you know, you might make the decision that, hey, this score is below our threshold, but, you know, either this this project uh, is doing things in a way that scorecard isn't catching, which is possible. There, there could be some false, uh, there's both false negatives and, and positives with any automated tool. Um, but it, it basically makes sure that, that you're not just rubber stamping everything that's going through. Instead, you know, you're raising awareness when a project does deserve a little bit of extra scrutiny to see, hey, is this 
is this really okay? Uh, and it, it really makes someone actually think about uh, what they're, they're bringing in to a system or if they're maintaining the project, it makes you think about, are these really good enough best practices that, that we're doing right now? Um, or if something regressed, you know, how, how did that happen? And, and, you know, are we okay with that regression? Uh, so I, I think as a bare minimum, but still a really good starting point is just to start pulling scores in and say, you know, hey, is this is this just generally going to pass the the test of, of what I'm okay with, uh, or how much extra scrutiny, you know, do I want to give to it before I might grant an exemption? Great answer. Actually, that kind of you kind of segued really nicely into my neck where I was going to go with this next, and that is, um, you know, how to interpret it, interpret the data. Scorecard's giving you all this great data and insight very quickly and easily and programmatically, but but then what? <laughs> now, ne yes. what next? Right? How, what do we do with all this data? And and you started, you you went there with what are the best practices for using it? But uh, I wondered if you could maybe both of you go into where, where you would like to see this used. What, do you, what would you consider to be the best way to use it? You know, it's, it's funny that you bring this up, Catherine. I mean, um, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, I have uh, repeatedly come across in my career is, is, hey, we're recording the data, but hey, we aren't really looking at the data. Right. You know, we're doing static code analysis, but we aren't looking at the issues. Or, you know, oh, we're running scorecard, but we aren't looking at the results. And it's like, no, for, for all of these, if you're going to be collecting this data, you got to be doing something with it. It's not there just to to let it, you know, sit on somebody's hard drive uh, it, without doing anything. It's, it's to create actionable results. And... With Scorecard, for example, I think it's great uh, uh, if a project has something in there uh, that that ensures that you know if a score drops below a certain threshold that that it gets flagged and, and uh, teams get to go look at it at that point and go figure out what happened, as opposed to finding out oh three months ago we we checked something in our score has been zero ever since then, and uh, uh, we just found out. That said, I mean there there's. You know, with Scorecard and with all of these security tools, there's so much information that's generated. You need to, wherever possible, have automation in place uh, to be able to go react to these things or at least flag that there's a problem in there. And, and, you know, developers these days with the velocity that they need to develop at and the complexity of the code that they're generating these days, they need to be able to have these these automated results to know when something has fallen out of uh, uh, of a threshold that they need to care about. Uh, uh, Brian? Yeah, I, I, you know, certainly agree with everything and especially the, the point around action is so important here. Having the information is one thing, but it just sitting there you know, really does nothing for us. I, I think that action piece generally comes in kind of two different forms, depending on who you are. If you're a, a project maintainer, you know, and you're actually wanting to raise your score, you can take a look at what the tool is telling you uh, is passing and not passing. And then you can start to go in and say, what would I need to do to actually raise the score on that check? And so the tool itself was built with actionable steps in mind for maintainers. Uh, so 
you can you can get some insight just from the results coming out. You can also give it some additional flags if you're if you're running the command line, uh, and it will go into more details about what was detected, what was not detected, and then you can look at the documentation under the scorecards project, and you can see if you're not passing this check, you know what what action could you take to actually resolve it, uh, and so. There's, there's that side, if you're on the maintainer side, this is what you need to do in order to, to really address this information uh, that you're getting. And then on the consumer side, if you're pulling in open source software, I think there's a slightly more nuanced set of actions that, that you would need to be able to take. Uh, you know, Ideally, you would say, hey, I see the problem, I'm really involved with this project, I can make a change and I can work with the maintainers to just improve some of these best practices upstream. Uh, I think the reality is that for most of these cases, uh, these, these projects probably don't have a direct connection to your organization. Uh, and therefore, you, you have to kind of make the decision of, based on how you're using it, based on how critical it is, you know, do you want to go and really invest some time in that project and try to work with them to make this change? Do you want to patch it yourself? Uh, or, you know, basically give it some additional review or, or scrutiny as, as new versions come along. Um, you know, or, in, in I think, hopefully the, the last resort case, you know, you might say, if this project, let's say it's it's not maintained at all anymore, you know, the, the case of it, it has been a decade since, since the last uh, code change was made, uh, and there's really no interaction with it it might be time to, to look for some alternatives that would actually still meet the needs of, of what that dependency uh, really fulfills for you. But in, in any of these cases, just sitting there and saying, well, that, that score is interesting is, is really not a great end of the story. Like finding what you're going to do with that information, you know, whether you have the power to, to correct it uh, on the maintainer side or or make a different decision on the consumption side. I, I think is where the, the scorecard kind of rubber meets the road and, and the real mm. uh, change actually happens. And, and I just would just add to, I mean, from the maintainer side, uh, some of the things that scorecard provides are, are really good validation of specific settings. For example, if I'm a maintainer and I think I have branch protection on and suddenly scorecard tells me I don't, it's, it's a great way to, to validate whether or not you think you have things set up correct. Oh, that's a great point. And I think, so I think, Brian, you you mostly answered this question, but maybe not in, a, in such a direct way, but I, I kind of wanted to, just as security experts, I wanted to ask you, if a project has a low score, is there ever a scenario when you would want to use it anyway? Should you avoid it completely? You know, I know there are, there are things that you could do to mitigate. You could fork. You could you could do all of those things. But what is it really telling you? What is what is a low? What does that mean in in very plain terms to somebody you know evaluating something? Right. So you know, it's it's never a, a great scenario when you're faced with this. Of I have a low score, and, and now I need to to make a decision. You know, I I would say in general, there's there's kind of. Uh, two different phases where you could discover this and, and what you choose to do kind of matters on, on where you're at. If you haven't used this dependency before at all and you're considering using it, I think that's where it's 
uh, a good case of, of I can analyze exactly uh, why this low score is happening. Uh, and I can basically use that as decision-making criteria to say, you know, if I, if I don't feel comfortable with how this project is being managed, and I've looked at it more, you know, what other alternatives do I have? Uh, and, you know, there's like any kind of combination of engineering and security and business decision, you know, I think this is another uh, piece of information to really factor into that equation. Uh, but I, I do think the best case is, you know, even before you start depending on it and using it, you know, actually trying to not bring in a dependency that's insecure in the first place is really the, the best option. I would guess the average case at the moment, uh, since scorecards is relatively new and, and people would be running it for the first time, they're going to be finding a lot more information about existing dependencies that they've already taken on. Yeah. And, and that's where I would say your course of action gets a little bit trickier than just, should I use this or not? It, it becomes, you know, looking down the road, do I, do I want to really try to make this better? Or, you know, do I want to find an alternative to, to using this dependency? And I think when you actually get into some of those details of the checks themselves, a lot of that, uh, will inform kind of the, the decision that you make along with, you know, how critical is this dependency to you at the moment? How much effort would it take to replace it? Is there even a viable replacement out there? Um, it's, it's not going to take, I think a standard path each time, but scorecards at the very least is, is going to both raise awareness, uh, of where your attention should be directed. Uh, and then start to help you steer the conversation based on, on what it's reporting of what you want to do. Uh, but but I would say, you know, at, at the very least, if you see a low score, start asking more questions. You know, look at more of those individual checks. If you don't feel like those are painting a complete picture, you know, go to the actual project, engage with maintainers, get a get a sense of, of what's happening. Yeah. Ask, why is your score zero? <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's a it's a good uh, it's a good housekeeping exercise, if nothing else, right? Get to get to know the the whys of of the of the score underneath the score. So I think I think we've kind of established that scorecard is pretty great and useful, <laughs> and thank you for that. And I, I do hope this has been really helpful for a lot of developers out there that are trying to figure out how to use it. Uh, I, th I think it would be. But okay, so now now that we've We've sold everybody on using it. As a, as a developer, I, I would like to contribute to the project. I would like to help improve it. Um, where should I start? Yeah, and I, I do hope we have sold everybody on it at this point. Uh, you know, it's it's a project that, that is developed out in the open. I, I'd say there's kind of two paths to, to jump in a little bit further with the project. You can go directly to if, if in fact, if you just look up in any search engine, OpenSSF, Scorecards, GitHub, that should pretty much pop the, the Scorecards project towards the top. You can also, and, and I should say within that project, there's a section about getting involved. Uh, it, it should give you a sense of mailing lists that you can join, uh, Slack channels that you could, you could join, uh, when meetings take place. Uh, 
uh, and you know provide you with the means of, of opening up issues on the project where you can kind of encourage different discussions about different issues that, that you might have or ideas that you might have. Uh, I would say if you're interested in this, along with some of the other OpenSSF projects, there's also just going to opensf.org slash get involved. And that gives you kind of the general way uh, of getting involved in any project like scorecards, uh, like projects like SigStore, things that, that the OpenSSF is investing in right now. Uh, but I'll, I'll just say overall, the, the barrier of entry should not be impossible. It, it should be something that, that if you really care about this area and, and you have different topics that you'd like to discuss, like it's a, it's a community that, that really welcomes people uh, into that discussion and, and really wants to just rally around the idea that, that we can make open source more secure and, and we can do it in a way that just helps open source across the board. I love it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I love talking about projects in those terms, really, again, because I, as I've said before, open source is all I know. I'm so open source biased that it's, it's hard for me to, to see anything else. But, but yeah, I feel like the, at least nearly the, the, the bookends should be, here's how to use it. But then at the end, you know, once you've gotten benefit from it and, and see its value in particular, then how do you give back to it? How do you contribute? How do you make it even better? Right? So that's the open source way. Absolutely. Very, very, yes. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, so I have one, I think, I think we've covered it really well, but I do have one last question and this is very much for both of you. Where would you like to see this project go in the future? Where do you, where do you want to see it? Where, where do you want to see feature wise, adoption wise, all of those things? If you had a, if you could wave a magic wand, where, where do you, where, do you, where would you like to see it go? I think the industry as a whole needs a definitive way for being able to identify um, open source software that was built with good engineering practices um, across the board, uh, whether it is, uh, you know, something you found on GitHub or SourceForge or, or just some random project that you found just through Googling. And, you know, having something like Scorecard being the benchmark uh, um, is, uh, it's a good starting place. And I think starting where we are with scorecard there's an opportunity to be able to take a uh, scorecard and and build it and grow it and, and bring it across the entire ecosystem as a a benchmark of should this particular project be used or or not by by my project that i'm putting together and it's you know if people have a low uh, uh scorecard score if they are just out there for example just uh, trying to create their own project for their own hobby and, and they don't care about scorecard, that's great. We, we all have those. Uh, uh, we don't want to preclude people from participating in an open source who, who aren't focused on the things that we are. But, you know, having a, a way of being able to go look and go, oh, hey, um, my project is supposed to be able to go run and not only protect uh, uh, some private information, but, but also uh, have five nines of uptime looking at the quality of, of the project and how it was put together, uh, I think is critical. And, and Scorecard is is the starting place for that, in my opinion. And it's the, the you know, the, the, I'm not going to say there aren't other open source projects that are trying to do some similar things, but I, I think uh, uh, Scorecard is the starting point for what could be an industry standard uh, across 
uh, uh, the entire open source ecosystem. Brian, I don't know your thoughts, but uh, I, I'm sure you, you can amplify on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll add on, uh, but very much agree with that kind of general vision of where, where this project you know, could and really should be going. I think that it is truly a first step towards uh, really kind of defining the problem itself or, or defining, you know, what what goals you really could set when you, you think about security in the context of an open source project. And I think being able to bring about more transparency across projects, if we're, if we're going from not really having any insight to, to some insight that it's easy to compare across the board, uh, already that's, that's valuable information that can really inform next steps can inform and, and really empowers individual projects to, to make the decisions that are best for that project uh, and for people that are consuming it to make the decisions that are best for them. So I, I think, you know, that that sort of bringing about transparency, making it standard across the projects, um, really doing similar things to what you've seen, you know, with uh, say consumer product reviews or restaurant reviews, uh, just, just having the sense of at, at a very high level, either I feel pretty good about this decision, uh, you know, I can eat here, I can stay here, I'll buy this product, or I really want to read a lot more reviews before I, I make any decision. You know, I, I think starting with that uh, idea of, of how do we make this standard enough that anyone, regardless of their experience, with security can come along and can ask some some reasonable questions uh, and can basically be in a position that that they can still make an effective decision without needing to, to have a deep background uh, in open source security itself i think i think if we are if we are setting up people to make those decisions and we are bringing about just more transparency across the board i i think that's a real success for the, the project itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to, you know, I amplify on that just a little bit. I think transparency for, for people who aren't knowledgeable about security mm -hmm. is, is very, very important. And, uh, uh, scorecard definitely brings that. I think, I think y'all have both like absolutely hit the nail on the head with what, what draws me to the project and what, what, um, I am most excited about is the ability to at a glance quickly, get distill that information and just, just just a number it's a very approachable way to talk about security and and to give people an indicator of where they need to spend their time digging deeper i think it's fantastic and and you know i think i i know that there are i i many people out there myself included who really appreciate the work that you and others have done on this and and i hope to see it widely adopted well we we all do from our project side too yeah. so we we hope we'll go there you, you've done great with this project, and uh, uh, hopefully I will be contributing to it here at some point in the near future. Fantastic. Well, cool. Well, thank you both so much for doing this. I think I'm more excited about Scorecard even than I was before, and I already was. So so I think uh, that's, that's a success in my book. So, yeah, again, thank you. And, and, and maybe in the future we'll, we'll have this, we'll revisit this conversation as, as the project evolves, as open source projects do. Well, well, thank you just for, for having it, for talking about scorecards. Uh, and I do hope we do get to have a follow-up and, and talk about you know, everything that's just continuing to improve across security and open source. 